Ah, tea. Ah, coffee. Some of us can't imagine a life without tea and, of course, coffee. I personally take decaffeinated coffee. I used to drink a ton of teas and coffees, taking a lot of caffeine. But in 2017, decided enough was enough, went all decaf. To wean myself off took me three or four days of withdrawal headaches. And moving on to decaf products after that actually helped a lot. But then again, I still like the taste of coffee and tea. So what is a tea and what is a coffee? Tea and coffee actually are leaves or beans, tea being the leaf, coffee being the bean, that flavors water. That is then consumed. The beverage ultimately is consumed warm, but it can be consumed hot or even cold, even iced. Camellia sinensis is a species of evergreen shrubs or small trees. Its leaves and leaf buds are used to produce tea. White tea, yellow tea, green tea, oolong tea, dark tea are the main types of teas. Now, tea plants are native to East Asia and probably, though it's still speculation, originated in southwestern China on the border of modern Burma and China. There are a few main types of tea. Chinese tea, or what is known as Yunnan tea, or Yunnan Assam. Chinese Southern Yunnan Assam, and Indian Assam. Camellia sensis is mainly cultivated in tropical and subtropical climates, in areas with at least 50 inches of rainfall a year. Tea plants prefer a rich and moist growing location, with full to part sunlight. That being said, you could, in theory, kind of grow some of these plants further north, including as far north as the United Kingdom. Tea plants will grow into a tree leaf if left undisturbed, but cultivated plants are pruned to waist height for ease of plucking. Two principal varieties are used, the small-leaved Chinese variety plant and the large-leaved Assamese plant, used mainly for black tea. The Chinese plant is a small-leafed bush with multiple stems that reach a height of some three meters. It is native to southeastern China. The first tea plant variety to be discovered, recorded, and used to produce tea dates back 3,000 years ago. The three main types of Indian tea are Assam, Darjeeling, and Negri. Coffee, on the other hand, is also a brewed drink. But unlike tea that uses the leaves, coffee prepared from roasted coffee beans, the seeds of berries, they come from a certain plant called Coffea genius. And they're beans, they're not leaves. Coffea species are shrubs or small trees native to tropical and southern Africa and tropical Asia also. If tea comes from India and China, coffee comes from the Red Sea area. The Red Sea is, by the way, north of eastern Africa, from the Suez in Egypt to the Arabian Sea. North of the Red Sea is the Arabian Peninsula, so you get the general area. The beverage comes from the coffee fruit. The seeds are separated to produce a stable raw product, that is, an unroasted green coffee. There are over 120 species of coffea, which is grown from seed. The two most commonly grown coffee bean types are C. arabica and C. robusta. 
The fruit is often referred to as a coffee cherry, and it contains two seeds called coffee beans. The tree produces edible red or purple fruits. In about 5-10% to 10 of any crop of coffee fruits, only a single bean is found, called a pea berry. It is smaller and rounder than a normal coffee bean. When grown in the tropics, coffee is a rigorous bush or small tree that usually grows to a height of about 3 to 3.5 meters. Most commonly cultivated coffee species grow best at high elevations but do not tolerate freezing temperatures. The tree of coffee beans will grow fruit after 3 to 5 years, producing for an average of 50 to 60 years, although up to 100 is also possible. The white flowers are highly scented. The fruit takes about nine months to ripen. Those seeds are then roasted, a process which transforms them into a consumable product, i.e. roasted coffee, which is then ground into coarse or fine particles that are typically steeped in hot water before being filtered out, producing a cup of coffee. Coffee is a darkly colored, bitter, slightly acidic flavor and has a stimulating effect in humans primarily due to its caffeine content. So that is tea and coffee. But how did these two beverages become so popular? What's the history there? Let's start with coffee since I'm already on the topic. The history of coffee dates to centuries of oral tradition in modern-day Ethiopia. Now, oral traditions you can dismiss, but I like to keep them. So the story goes, according to the legend, Ancestors of today's Kipcho people in the kingdom of Kafav were the first to recognize the energizing effects of the coffee plant. One account involves a 9th century Ethiopian goat herder, Kaldi, who noticed the energizing effects on his flock as they nibbled on the bright red berries of a certain bush. He chewed on them himself. His exhilaration prompted him to bring the berries to a monk in a nearby monastery. The monk disapproved of its use and threw it into the fire, from which an inciting aroma billowed, causing other monks to come investigate. The now roasted beans were quickly ripped from the embers, ground up and dissolved in hot water, yielding the world's first cup of coffee. Another story suggests... A 13th century Moroccan Sufi mystic, while traveling in Ethiopia, well, the legend goes that he observed birds of unusual vitality feeding on berries, and upon trying the same berries, he experienced the same vitality. Now, however, here, neither of these stories was anything to do with the coffee that we have right now. That coffee was cultivated there but there's no direct evidence of its consumption there other than these tales. Prior to the 15th century, there have been nothing found. Sufi monasteries in Yemen ultimately employed coffee as an aid to concentration during prayers. Sufi Imam Muhammad bin Said al-Dubani is known to have imported goods from Ethiopia to Yemen. Coffee was first exported out of Ethiopia to Yemen by Somali merchants. We can trace the spread of coffee from Yemen northwards to Mecca and Medina, and then to the larger cities of Cairo, Damascus, Baghdad, and Constantinople. 
coffee later spread to the Levant and Persia in the early 16th century. It actually caused some controversy on whether it would be halal or not. Anyway, it was from there that it spread around the world. We know, for example, that by 1414, the plant was known in Mecca and in the early 1500s was spreading to the sultanates in Egypt and North Africa from the Yemeni port of Mocha. Myrad coffee houses grew up in Cairo, around the religious university of Derzah. These coffee houses also opened in Syria, especially in the more cosmopolitan city of Aleppo, and then in Istanbul, which was the capital of the Ottoman Empire in 1554, Istanbul, a.k.a. Constantinople. In 1511, it was forbidden for its stimulating effect by conservative Orthodox imams at a theological court in Mecca. However, these bans were to be overturned in 1524 by order of the Ottoman Turkish Sultan Suleiman I, with Grand Mufti issuing a fatwa allowing the consumption of coffee. Coffee then arrived in Italy in the second half of the 16th century through commercial Mediterranean trade routes, while Central and Eastern Europeans learned of coffee from the Ottomans. By the mid-17th century, it had reached India and the East Indies. Coffee houses would be established in Western Europe by the late 17th century, especially in England and Germany. One of the earliest cultivations of coffee in the Americas was when Gabriel de Clue took coffee seedlings to Martin in 1720. Those beans later sprouted 18,680 coffee trees, which enabled its spread to other Caribbean islands like Saint-Dominique and then to Mexico. By 1788, Saint-Dominique supplied half, yes, half the world's coffee. By 1812, globally, Brazil became the largest producer of coffee and it holds that status today. The word coffee entered the English language in 1582 by the Dutch. Coffee borrowed from the Ottoman Turkish, in turn borrowed from the Arabic kawa. Interestingly, the Arabic word kawa originally referred to a type of wine. Anyhow, this Arabic word is sometimes alternatively traced to the Arabic kuwa, i.e. power or energy, or to kafa, a medieval kingdom in Ethiopia, where the plant was exported to Arabia in the original early mythology or even reality. According to a Captain Haynes, who was the colonial administrator of Aden in the mid-1800s, Mocha historically imported up to two-thirds of their coffee from Berber-based merchants before the coffee trade of Mocha was captured by the British-controlled Aden in the 19th century. Thereafter, much of the Ethiopian coffee was exported to Aden via Berber. Sufi Saint Baba Budan is thought to have brought coffee to India, while the Dutch took coffee to Indonesia, especially to the island of Java, while the French took coffee to Vietnam. So when someone talks about French coffee or Italian coffee, they're talking about the roast, not coffee from France. Same for tea, though. English tea, anyone? There's no tea in England. It comes from somewhere else. So let's now dial back to the story of tea. Tea is different from coffee because the history of tea spreads across multiple cultures over the span of thousands of years. Thousands of years. The origins are just simply older than coffee. It's believed that Yunnan province has been identified as the birthplace of tea. 
the first area where humans figured out that eating tea leaves or brewing up a cup could be pleasant. Here, the world's oldest cultivated tea tree, some 3,200 years old, is. Tea drinking likely began in Yunnan during the Shang dynasty, 1500 BC to 1046 BC, initially as a medicinal drink. From there, the drink spread to Xuan, and it is believed that there, for the first time, people began to boil tea leaves for consumption into a concentrated liquid without the addition of other leaves or herbs, thus using tea as a bitter yet stimulating drink rather than as a medicinal precaution. The Chinese have consumed tea for thousands of years, but the current word for tea in Chinese only came to use in the 8th century AD. Now that said, the earliest physical evidence known to date found in 2016, comes from the mausoleum of Emperor Jing of Han in Xi'an, indicating that tea was drunk by the Han dynasty emperors as early as the 2nd century BC. The first known reference to boiling tea came from the Han dynasty work, and I'm air quoting, the contract for a youth, written by Wan Bao, where among the tasks listed to be undertaken by the youth, and I quote him, he shall boil tea and fill the utensils, and he shall buy tea at Wang. The first record of cultivation of tea also dated it to this period, when tea was cultivated on Meng Mountain near Chengdu. Like coffee, tea too has origin myths associated with it. In this one, a Chinese legend, Emperor Shenong was drinking a bowl of just boiled water because of a decree that his subjects must boil water before drinking it. Sometime around 2737 BC, a few leaves were blown from a nearby tree into his water, changing the color and taste. The emperor took a sip of the brew and was pleasantly surprised by its flavor and restorative properties. A variant of the legend says that the emperor then tested the medical properties of various herbs on himself some of them poisonous, and found tea to work as an antidote. The classic of tea is the first known publication, or as they would call it these days, first white paper or thought piece on tea. And it was written by Chinese writer Lu Yu between 760 and 762 CE during the Tang Dynasty. This short piece of work has just 10 chapters. I will spare you the details but tell you the chapter headers. Chapter 1, Origin. 2, Tools. 3, Making. 4, Utensils. 5, Boiling. 6, Drinking. 7, History. 8, Growing Regions. 9, Simplify. And 10, Pictorialize. In case you're wondering, Chapter 7 on History was a chapter giving various tales about the history of tea in China, from Shenold through to the Tang Dynasty begins with an index list of influential individuals related to tea before even the Tang Dynasty. An early credible record of tea drinking dates to 220 AD in a medical text, Shi Lun, by Hua Tao, who stated, and I echoed, to drink bitter too constantly makes one think better, end quote. Another possible early reference to tea is found in a letter written by the Qin Dynasty general Lu Kun. However, 
Before the mid-8th century Tang Dynasty, tea drinking was primarily a Southern Chinese practice. It became widely popular during the Tang Dynasty when it was spread to Korea, Japan, and Vietnam. Oh, another really interesting story is that Laozi, the classical Chinese philosopher, was sent to describe tea as, and I quote him, the froth of the liquid jade, and named it an indispensable ingredient to the elixir of Lycan. Legend has it that Master Lao was saddened by society's moral decay, and sensing that the end of the dynasty was near, he journeyed westwards to the unsettled territories, never to be seen again. While passing along the nation's border, he encountered and was offered tea by a customs inspector named Yin Si. Yin encouraged him to compile his teachings into a single book so that future generations might benefit from his wisdom. This became known as the Tao Di Mi Jing, the collection of his sayings. During the Song Dynasty, production and preparation of all tea changed. The tea included many loose leaf styles to preserve the delicate character and flavor of court society, and is the origin of today's loose teas and the practice of brewed teas. A powdered form of tea also emerged at this time. The Chinese learned to process tea in a different way in the mid-13th century. Tea leaves were roasted and then crumbled rather than steamed. But the Yuan and Ming dynasties, unfermented tea leaves were first pan-fried, then rolled and dried. This stopped the oxidation process, which turns the leaves dark and allows tea to remain green. In the 15th century, oolong tea, where the leaves were allowed to partially ferment before pan-frying, was developed. Yellow tea was an accidental discovery in the production of Greek tea during the Ming dynasty when apparently slopping practices allowed the leaves to turn yellow, which yielded a different flavor as a result. During the Sui dynasty in China, tea was introduced to Japan by Buddhist monks. Tea use spread during the 6th century AD in Japan. In Korea, records from the Jiryo dynasty in the 18 to 1792 show that tea pathways were made in Buddhist temples to the spirits of revered monks. Marco Polo recorded a disposition of a Chinese minister of finance in 1285 for his arbitrary argumentation of the tea taxes. In 1557, Portugal established a trading port in Macau, and the word of the Chinese drink cha spread quickly, but there is no mention of them bringing any samples home. In the early 17th century, a ship of the Dutch East India Company took the first green tea leaves to Amsterdam from China. Tea was first offered by China as a gift to Tsar Michael I in 1618. The Russian ambassador tried the drink. He did not care for it at all and rejected the offer, delaying tea's Russian introduction by 50 years. By 1689, tea was regularly imported from China to Russia via a caravan of hundreds of camels traveling the year-long journey, making it a dicey commodity at the time. Commercial production of tea was first introduced into India by the British in an attempt to break the Chinese monopoly on tea. The British, using Chinese seeds plus Chinese planting and cultivating techniques, launched a tea industry by offering land in Assam, to any European who agreed to cultivate tea for export. Tea was originally consumed only by anglicized Indians. And the most interesting of all for me was that tea was not even 
popular early on. It was not until the 1950s, yes, the 1950s, that tea grew widely popular in India through a successful advertising campaign by the India Tea Board. Prior to the British, the plant may have been used for medicinal purposes. Some cite the Sanjeevani plant as the first recorded reference of tea use in India. As an FYI, the Sanjeevani plant is in fact a different plant and is not related to tea. The Singpo tribe and the Kutni tribe validate that they have been consuming tea since the 12th century. However, commercial production of tea in India did not begin until the arrival of the British East India Company, at which point large tracts of land were converted for mass tea production. The Chinese variety in India is used for Sikkim Darjeeling tea and Kungra tea, while the Assam variety to the native Amasam was used everywhere else. It was also at this time that tea was introduced to Ceylon, i.e. modern-day Sri Lanka. Since the late 1990s, tea as well as coffee have become mass industrial complexes employing a lot of people, all to satisfy the urge to drink a warm, hot beverage, get a kick from the natural mind-enhancing drug in tea and coffee, and for humans to become more social. It was in European coffee houses and tea shops of Bengal where revolutionary intellectualism evolved. It allowed people to socialize without getting too intoxicated. Both tea and coffee, to me, have a positive impact on the human condition. Otherwise, why would they be so popular? Coffee shops today, in October 2022, charge a ton of money. Could be even £6 or $6 for a fancy coffee such as a mocha. Mocha, by the way, named after the port city where coffee was exported from. Teas come in fancy tea bags now. Upmarket baristas sell teas and coffees so they can be enjoyed together. Assam and Ethiopia flavored in the same location. You can, of course, save money and buy stuff at home. Loose tea or tea bags have been my go-to. I used to take milk, but no dairy for me now. Coffee pipe by the beans, then coarse grind them before pouring over hot water. Decaf again for everything. Coffee needs to be black for me and no fancy stuff like cappuccino or something like that. Nope. Indian masala chai is something else. Tea boiled with milk, water, cardamom, ginger, maybe other spices, and a lot of sugar. Not simple. And really, and controversially I might add in my view, is a sugary milk cream with tea flavors. Anyhow, With that, I take my exit for this episode. Catch you next time. Thank you.